Hey, good morning, everyone. How's the nine o'clock group doing this morning? Good to see you guys. How many of you have ever struggled making a decision? Okay, good. There's some honest people out there. You know, for some of you, it comes easy. For some of you, it's excruciating to make a decision. Let me, let me give you a point in case for uh, married couples out there. Uh, let me make the point, a uh, conversation that you might have with your spouse when you're wanting to go out to dinner. Have you ever had this conversation? Where do you want to eat tonight? I don't know. Where do you want to eat tonight? I don't know. Where do you want to go tonight? I don't care. Wherever you want to go. Okay, let's let's do Mexican tonight. No, I don't feel like Mexican. Okay, well, what do you feel like? I don't know. We'll go anywhere. I'll go wherever you want to go. And at this point, I want to drive the car off the Irunaquay Bay Bridge. Anybody ever have that that discussion? Um, Or have you ever second-guessed yourself when you made a decision? If you ever second-guessed yourself, that can be really fun, right? That can be really fun. So the question, as we've been going through the book of Proverbs and diving into God's wisdom for our life, the question we're asking is, how can we be sure that we have made a wise decision, a godly decision, a decision that God cares about for your life? That's the question that we've been answering over the summer and in the beginning of the fall, is how can we make wise, godly decisions? And also, how can we be confident in decisions that we make? Uh, And so we're taking a close dive into the book of Proverbs. And what we've come to understand about Proverbs, it's it's a short saying that expresses truth for practical, godly living. And when we lack wisdom, the Word of God tells us that we can go to God to gain Wisdom. I love what the book of James says here. James, the brother of Jesus, says here in the first chapter of James, in the very first verses, it says this. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God. Just ask God. Who gives it generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now, this is an important verse in James. Because what James is saying is any of us can go to God and ask for wisdom. And he is going to generously give us his wisdom without finding fault. That's interesting that James would put that caveat in there. Without finding fault, it will be given to you. What does that mean? Well, James, the brother of Jesus, encourages those who are undergoing persecution to seek God's wisdom and handling life's pressures. And what he's saying is, is God is not stingy with his wisdom. Can I hear an amen? God is not stingy with his wisdom. In fact, God is generous, James says. And he's not going to shame you in asking. So we can come with confidence knowing that he is going to answer us and give us the wisdom we need for whatever particular situation we're faced with. In fact, the Greek word for generously in this passage, is this really interesting Greek word. And we know most of the New Testament was written in Greek. But in the original Greek language, it's this word haplos. The word generosity means haplos. And in fact, this word is only used once in the whole New Testament. And so James picks this particular Greek word, haplos, which means without reserve or liberally. God is going to give you wisdom liberally, without reservation. God, what what James is saying here is God's not going to hold back. God's not going to hold back. He will not keep it from us. We can have complete confidence that he is going to give us the wisdom that we need. Now, what gets in the way of that is ourselves. 
What gets in the way of us wanting to know what God wants is us seeking God in that. So many times we just want to do it our own ways or, or we want to figure it out ourselves. But God says, for those who humbly come to me and ask wisdom, not only am I going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to pour it out on you. I'm going to give it generously to you. And so God does not qualify the wisdom that he gives with us. He doesn't look at us and say, no, I'm going to withhold my wisdom from you because you don't deserve it. That's not what, he's, that's not what James is saying here. I loved when we had, um, during, during COVID, at the height of COVID, we had a, a grocery giveaway here at the church, and many of you were involved with that. I think we packed like a thousand bags of groceries. I can't remember. By the end of the day, I was just, there's actually a picture of me laying in, in all the grocery bags. I was just toast after all that. And we worked with Convoy of Hope, the disaster relief ministry that works not only in the United States, but around the world. And they brought a huge 18-wheeler and parked it out uh, in our parking lot. And they said, here you go. Here's all these groceries. And we had a giveaway into our community. We had to unload all the you know, groceries and pack all them. You guys did a great job. What I loved about that is we did not qualify the people that we gave the groceries to. When they pulled in and we, and we put groceries in the car, we didn't stop them and say, hey, hey, here's a checklist. What's going on in your life? Do you deserve these groceries? Did you say something bad today? You know, we just, we just loved on people and liberally gave to them whoever came through. And it was just such a fun day. This is what James is saying. God is liberal with his wisdom. We can come to him. It's just, we need to ask. What, what, what keeps you from truly knowing God is that you don't ask. We're not coming to him. And we get frustrated. And we wonder why at the end of the day, why am I so stressed out? Why am I so frustrated? Did I go to the Lord? My mom used to always tell me this. Barden, did you pray about it? I'm like, oh, that's probably a good idea, right? That'd be a good idea to pray about. She would always tell that to me. Even when I was a teenager, my mom would say, Barden, did you pray about it? Did you seek the Lord? Did you seek his heart and the decisions that you're making? She goes, if you will do that, Barden, you will always honor God in your life. And every decision you make is not going to be an easy decision. Sometimes the hardest decisions we make are not the easiest ones. And every decision we make, there is going to be a sacrifice. But she goes, if you sacrifice for the Lord, he will bless you and you will be close to him and you will honor him. And to this day, my mom still says, and I'm 56 years old, my mom still tells me, Bard, did you pray about it? The other day she goes, Bard, you know, sometimes, did you worship the Lord? <laughs> my mom, she's like, tell you what my mom she's a tough cookie man but i love her she's crazy but i love her um did you pray about it did you seek the lord in the area of your life and i'm so glad that god doesn't qualify his grace to us i'm so glad for that listen no one is worthy of his grace or his wisdom yet james says he lavishes his wisdom upon us with love and grace and mercy So why is it essential for us to ask for wisdom? So that's the question. Why is it essential for us to ask for wisdom? Godly wisdom is this. Godly wisdom is the ability to discern what is right and true. You see, that's the reason why we need wisdom in our lives, because we need to discern what is right and true for our lives. We know what the world is telling us, what they believe is right and true, but we need to hear from God. We need to know what he cares about. We need to honor him most of all in our lives above everything else. You see, knowledge is information. 
You gain knowledge through experience and study. And many people think, well, as long as I'm knowledgeable about something, that, that's all that matters. But if you don't apply wisdom to it, that's where we get into trouble. Knowledge is important, but wisdom helps you with knowledge. However, we can be knowledgeable about something yet lack wisdom. So let me give you a case in point. We can know the Bible, and we can memorize scriptures, and we can feel, feel very knowledgeable about what we know about scriptures, yet wisdom says you need to obey it. James even says, just don't be hearers of the word, but be what? Doers of the word. Well, what, what good is it if you just read it and become very knowledgeable and memorize scripture, yet we're not obeying the word of God? Wisdom says, obey what God tells us to do. Listen, we all know that our cars can go, most of our cars can go over 100 miles an hour, right? Which would be fun. Uh, but wisdom says, use your brain, right? Wisdom says, how do you apply this knowledge that you have about something? That's what wisdom is. So listen, we can have a disagreement with someone and yet not use wisdom in our conversation. We can make a point, but at the same time be a jerk and lose that relationship. That's not wisdom. That's not wisdom. Wisdom is seen in how we de-escalate a situation, not in how we escalate a situation. Everyone can escalate a situation, right? But wisdom says, how do I control myself so that God gets the glory in this situation and I de-escalate this? That's wisdom. Let's be, let's be honest here. For those of you that are parents or have raised kids, we most of us, there are times we didn't use the best wisdom in raising our children. Can we just be honest with ourselves? There are some things. Let me, do, let me so if you, if, if, if you don't think you, if you think you raised your kids perfectly, let me just poke a little hole in that, right? Have you ever said this to your kids? What were you thinking? All right? That wisdom. Like, what were you thinking? Well, the problem is they were thinking, um, the, you, you may have thought, well, what were you thinking about jumping off the roof with an umbrella and acting like Mary Poppins, right? Or, you know, you, you, we, we think like, okay, but they were thinking, but they were lacking wisdom in their creativity, right? We wanted them to use wisdom in what they were doing. Remember, remember some of the things that your parents said to you? Remember the deep wisdom that they shared with you? You know, like this one, if everyone jumped off a bridge, would you too? Would you do that too, right? Remember that one? Or if you act like a child, I'm going to treat you like a child. And then the, your child comes back and says, well, what do you expect? I'm six years old. I am a child, right? Um, or <laughs> I remember this one. Someone, especially if you had siblings and you, you got in fights with your siblings, you hear your parents yell out in the other room, someone better be bleeding, right? Someone better be bleeding. Or, <laughs> or I'll give you something to cry about. Remember that one? <laughs> now you're preaching, Basta, right? Or, or this one. I heard this one one time. We took a from Rochester to, to Florida to visit my great-grandmother, let us stay there for free in Florida, uh, one February break, and it was me, my two sisters in the back of a 1972 Buick Regal with vinyl seats. No air conditioning, right? That was a fun trip, right? And I remember my dad probably, maybe you had a parent like this too, don't make me pull this car over. Right? Don't make me pull. And I think my dad said that about 500 times. And I think at one time my dad was going to drop me off in North Carolina and make me walk the whole way. One of my favorites is this one. Don't make me count to three. Remember that one? Don't make me count. How many of your children moved at one? None of them. None of them. Right? Uh, or we're leaving in 10 minutes. Every child knows that's 25 minutes. Every single child knows we don't mean 10 minutes. Or, or you, you know, listen, we just... You know, let's be honest, we didn't use the best wisdom many times in parenting our children. But, but how can we make 
wise decisions that please God. Listen to some of these proverbs. These are brilliant. These are, uh, this is such beautiful wisdom from God's inerrant word. Proverbs 16.23 says, From the wise mind comes wise speech. From a wise mind comes wise speech, and the words of the wise are persuasive. The words of the wise... I heard someone say it this way. A humble voice carries much further. Have you ever heard someone with just a humble voice and you just listen to them? But someone that's just yelling and screaming, that doesn't go very far and we just plug our ears. A humble voice, that's wisdom. A humble voice carries much further. Proverbs 18, 15 says, The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, for the ears of the wise seek it out. They seek it out. They're humble to learn. And, and, and to allow themselves to be educated with what the Lord wants them to hear. Psalms 80, 86, 11 says this, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. That I might fear your name. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Many of us know this one, one of my favorites. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. That doesn't mean your paths are going to be easy. That doesn't mean your life's going to be a bed of roses. Can I get an amen? amen? But he'll make your path straight, meaning he will be with you, and you will be honoring him. And that's what's most important, and he will give you peace through all of that. So what do we see as the common thread through these verses? Those that are wise seek the Lord. The wise trust the Lord. And so God's desire is to lead us and to show us his ways. One of my favorite Old Testament books is the book of of Ruth. And um, we're actually, starting next week, are going to spend 10 weeks in the book of Ruth. So if you want to start, start. it's only four chapters. You can read it in one sitting. Read it now. We are going to do a line-by-line deep dive into the book of Ruth. And here's the reason why it's such a great book. Because it points us to Jesus. The book is full of God's grace, mercy, and redemption, and a story of a person who wasn't an Israelite, who trusted the God of Naomi and gave up everything. You would think in her mind, like, what kind of wisdom was was Ruth uh, thinking when she gave up everything to follow Naomi, her mother-in-law, back to Israel? And I love this story. Here's the reason why I, I love this story so much. It's a story about trusting God and trusting God's wisdom in her life. And so what Ruth does is she just, share, she just shows tremendous faith in trusting God when it seemed hopeless in her life. Let me, explain, let me explain why. Ruth made a decision to trust God when it made no sense. And there's going to be times in your life where we look at the world and the world's screaming at you of what you should do and how you should do it. And then we see the wisdom of God and it's so counterintuitive to the world's wisdom that you almost have to stop yourself and say, God, I'm going to have to trust you through this and believe that you're right and that I need to trust you with my life even when everything else says no, when everything else is counterintuitive to what we believe. Her decision to follow God in his ways changed literally the course of her life. Changed the course of her life. She didn't lean on her own wisdom, but she trusted God and the God of her mother-in-law, Naomi. Now, let me give you some context here. Ruth lived in a very, very turbulent time of unrest and violence during Israel's history. The nation of Israel was experienced disordered, both socially and spiritually, and she lived about a thousand years before the birth of Christ. 
So what Ruth does is she finds herself in this very hopeless situation. Basically, she lost everything. She lost everything. She lost her husband, and she was living during a time of famine. Now, to make matters even worse, her sister-in-law also lost her husband, and Naomi had already lost her husband. So here you have three women who are destitute, living in a foreign land for Naomi with absolutely no prospects. They were absolutely destitute. So they, 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 there was no one they could rely on, no family members there to rely on. So basically, Naomi says to her two daughter-in-laws, listen, you go back to your, your people. Go back to your gods. I'm going back to Bethlehem, which means house of bread. I'm going back because they moved from Bethlehem because of famine in the land. And now they're going back because there's a famine where they're living now, which is outside of Israel. So they go back and Naomi says, I'm going back because there's bread there. There's bread there. And so she basically tells her two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and, and Ruth, she says, listen, go back to your people and go back to your God. You've got my blessing. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. You go back. You have my full blessing. So as they're all crying and they're hugging, you can tell they had a close relationship Orpah goes back to her people and her God. But Ruth doesn't. Ruth makes a decision that is totally counterintuitive to what her heart should have told her, what what practical wisdom would have told her. She completely goes against that. And she goes against which would seem to be a wise choice, the choice that her sister-in-law Orpah made. What Naomi, what, what Naomi does is she gives them full freedom to do what they want, but Ruth doesn't. And basically, she tells them, listen, go and start your new life. They have no children. Basically, what, what um, Naomi is saying is, you guys go back to your homeland and find a husband and, and make a family. Don't come with me. I'm older. And she was bitter. And she was, uh, rightly so, she was downtrodden. Naomi was just hardened. She goes, I'm just going to go back to Bethlehem where my family is. And hopefully, hopefully, I can find a life for myself there in my old age. But Ruth doesn't go back to her people. The beginning of the chapter of Ruth, let me read what it says here. It says, again, they wept together. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung. I want you to look at that word for a moment, clung. It's a very important word in the Hebrew, and we're going to unpack that in just a minute. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. And Naomi looked at her and said, listen, your sister-in-law, she's gone back to her people and her God and her gods. And you should do the same. You should do the same. But Ruth replied. Now, Ruth, who's not an Israelite, right, who, who didn't grow up with the God of Naomi, says this, don't ask me to leave you or turn back wherever you go. I'm going to go. Where you live... I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. She makes a confession of faith to trust the God of her mother-in-law. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if if I allow anything but death to separate us. I want you to notice the word there clung In verse 14, the meaning there in the Hebrew is so much more than just hugging someone or or clinging to someone. It carries such a deeper meaning. It carries the same meaning of Genesis chapter 2, 
When we, when we read that a husband shall leave his father and mother and unite or cleave or cling to his wife, and the two shall become one. At that moment, Ruth clung to the God of her mother-in-law, Naomi. You see, what this verse is saying is, is the husband and wife aren't joined at the hip constantly. That's not what it means. I mean, I know when you were first married and you were first dating, remember you always held hands and you always sat on the couch together. And sometimes I look at Kathleen after 32 years of marriage, I go, remember when you used to always sit on the couch together? You sit right next to each other. Now she has her couch, I have my couch. And, you know, we know how that goes. Um, but that's not what this word clung means. Actually, the word means to be devoted, to be completely devoted or loyal. And basically what Ruth is doing here is she's completely devoted and loyal to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Ruth has devoted her loyalty to Naomi and her God. Ruth's decision to follow Naomi made absolutely no sense, practically speaking. She was leaving everything. The prospects in Bethlehem were not going to be good for her because she was a foreigner. Would she find a husband? Probably not. And, and, and Naomi understands this. See, Ruth's decision was one of faith. Naomi's God became Ruth's God. And notice what Naomi said. Oprah went back. It's fine. And she says, you can do the same thing. But Ruth's decision to follow Naomi and her God changed her life. She had wisdom to say, you know what? I may have to forgo all everything that I think is right, that I think is good, that I could leave by going back to my homeland and my people to give up everything to follow the God of Naomi. Can I just say something to you? Don't ever come into your relationship with Christ thinking, I'm just going to come in this half-hearted. Jesus says, I want you to come all in. Because if you just come in half-hearted or thinking, well, I'll give a little my life to Jesus and then I'll live my life the way I want to, you'll never experience the joy and the wisdom that God desires to pour out in you if our hearts are half-hearted. And the reason why Ruth was blessed is because she was fully devoted to God. And we are going to dive into that the next ten weeks. It's going to be a fun ride. I've been blessed by just studying it. I hope, I hope you will too. God's Word is just amazing. It's amazing to me how God's Word, all through the Old Testament, consistently, ultimately, points to our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. So good, so good. So, I'm going to tell you the end of Ruth. Ready? I'm going to spoil it for you, but that's all right. We're going to have fun in the 10 weeks doing it. But here it is. God completely changed her life. And she would eventually find a husband in Boaz who became her redeemer. The Bible calls it a kingsman redeemer. We're going we're gonna to unpack that, so you've got to come and hear it. I'm not going to tell you what that is right now. We'll unpack that. And from her lineage, from Boaz and Ruth, would come King David, the tribe of Judah, who would eventually come, the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Because of Ruth's faithfulness to give up everything and follow God and use wisdom that didn't seem practical in the world's eyes. 
from her right decision, God used that. A woman who wasn't an Israelite to be part of the lineage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, when you give your heart to Christ, he does change everything. Listen, I'm not here to tell you that your life's going to be perfect or that we're not going to make mistakes, but I'm a product of two parents who trusted Christ. I'm a product of a father who gave his heart at Eastman Kodak on break one day when another man shared Jesus with him. I'm a product of that. I don't think I'd be standing here today if my parents didn't make that decision. You might be here today and you're the first one in the line of your family to make a decision for Jesus Christ. I want you to say, don't give up on your family. Don't give up praying for them. Keep living that example of who your God is and keep praying. God is there, isn't he? And he's faithful. He's faithful. And I know it's not easy and it's not hard and it's very difficult praying for your families, but live that example. Continue to live that example. Always realize this, that the choices we make shape who we are. The choices we make shape who we are. The choice to follow Christ should never be seen as this one-time decision. There are sacrifices that will have to be made to choose to follow Jesus every single day in our lives. And every day we have a choice. And sometimes the easy choice is not the best choice or the wisest choice in our life. You know, it's much easier just to lose our tempers, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's the easy, that's, that's piece of cake, right? It's easy to lose our cool when things don't go our way. The easy thing for Ruth would have been just to leave Naomi. That would have been the easy way, but she didn't. She took the hard choice. So the question we must always ask ourselves is what is the wisest response? Not the easiest, not the way that seems the most well-paved, but what is the wisest choice? What does God want me to do? Ruth's choice cost her something, but it was the wisest choice. And Ruth honored God in her decision. So when we have a decision to make, think about how your choice will affect your future. How will it affect your future? And what can we do to save ourselves from living with regrets in our lives? What can we do? What can we do? What choices can we make? to save ourselves from living with so many regrets in our lives. Let me leave you with these three things. Let me just leave you with these three things. When making a decision, ask yourself, these are just practical, they're not mind-blowing, they're not rocket science, but just ask yourself these three decisions on every single decision you make in your life. I don't care if it's a big decision or a small decision, but just, just ask yourself these three things. Number one, does my decision lack integrity? Just ask yourself that. Does my decision lack integrity? Am I, am I justifying my decision in any way? And here's, here's what you need to do. Here's the best thing you can do for yourself. Be honest with yourself. Say, am I truly being honest with myself here? Or am I cutting corners? Am I justifying this in any way in my decision? Ask yourself, does this truly honor God? 
See, what is the real, ask yourself, what is the real reason why I'm making this decision? What's the, be honest with yourself, what is really, really the real reason you're asking this decision? Ask yourself, what is the real reason why I'm not talking to my children or a family member? What is the real reason? What is the real reason why I'm doing this particular thing that I know is not completely on the up and up? What's the real, am I justifying? Do I, am I, do, do I feel like I'm entitled to this thing? Ask yourself, what's the real reason? Just be honest with yourself. So does my decision lack integrity? The second thing is, have I asked someone else? Have I asked someone else about my decision? Ask someone you trust. Most importantly, ask someone who you know will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Amen? That's a hard one. You know, don't ask a question you don't want to hear the real answer to. That, that's I, I, Listen, I want to hear the real answer. But be, be humble enough in your heart to ask someone. Proverbs 18.15 says, The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge for the ears of those who seek it out. Who seek it out. So be honest with yourselves because it will save you from, from, from regrets later on in your life. And, and here's the third thing. Here's the third thing. So you're going you're gonna, to, does my decision lack integrity? Um, have I asked someone else? You know, and asking someone else, have I prayed about it? Have I prayed about it with someone else? Have I, have I done these things? Have I sought the Lord on it? And, and the third thing we need to do is, did I count the cost? And, and here's, here's what I mean by that. Did I count the cost? I believe this will save you from more heartache than anything else. And I want you to realize that every decision has a cost. Every decision whether you make a wise one or an unwise one, every decision has a cost. You could lose your job for not doing something unethical. right? You could lose your job for not listening and saying, I can't do it because that goes against my convictions. That goes against me being a follower of Christ. I, I can't do that. And you might lose your job for not doing something unethical or you could lose your job for doing something unethical. See, both cost you something. But by counting the cost, I want you to say, what story do I want to tell later about the decision I made? Write your narrative. Write your narrative. Think, when I make this decision, and i got to tell this story years later, what's the narrative going to be? Is the narrative going to be, you know what? It was tight for us for a while, but I quit my job because they were going to ask me to do something that I couldn't do. But you know what? I'm so glad I did that because I know I honored God. Or is the narrative going to be, yeah, I cut corners. And I know God has forgiven me, but there's a lot of heartache because I didn't use wise choices in what I did and I lost my job because of it. And thank God for his grace and his forgiveness. But what is going to be your narrative? What story do you want to tell about your decision? And we're going to look at Ruth's story. Because Ruth, in her narrative, looks back and says, I gave up everything. But God blessed me in so many other ways that I can't even describe. I can't wait to meet Ruth in heaven. Can't you wait just to meet some of these characters like Paul, you know, and all these others? 
to see our Savior. I can't wait just to have these discussions with Moses. Will he be carrying a staff? Will he have a long beard? Will he, will he look like Charles and Heston? I don't know. You know, I mean, just, you know, what, these are things I think about in my mind. I'm sorry, I'm a little weird, but what story do you want to tell about your decision? And, and would you be proud of your decision if you had to share that story later? So pray for wisdom. And God will pour it out to you liberally without fault. So here's my prayer for you as we just close and we sing to the Lord. Some of you here today, you've got some maybe decisions to make. Maybe you just need wisdom in how to deal with a difficult family member or situations that you're in right now. I want to pray for you. Some of you may be here right now and you're like, Pastor, I I haven't made that decision to really just turn my life over to Jesus. I want to encourage you to do that. That's the best choice you'll ever make in your life. I've never regretted that. April 1982, when I gave my heart to Jesus. Make a wise choice by seeking him and praying about it. In all your decisions, ask the Lord and he will help you. I may not have all the answers for you. Believe me, I don't. But Jesus does. And following him, you'll never have any regrets. So let me pray for you. Can I pray for you? And maybe some of you are saying, Pastor, I do have some decisions I need to make. Maybe it's a job decision. Maybe it's a family situation. Maybe it's a financial decision. Let me just, can I pray for you? Can we just bow our hearts and go to the Lord? Maybe, maybe it's just giving your heart to Jesus today and say, Jesus, I just need to give you my life today. And I thank you for your forgiveness, for my sins. And I need to make that choice to to just give my heart to you today, my life, and just submit to you today. You can do that. He's waiting for you. You just have to ask. Just have to ask. And what James says, God will do it without fault. He won't qualify it. Come just as you are. So, Father God, we bow our hearts before you today. Lord, I, I, I pray, Lord, for anyone here that's just needing wisdom in a particular situation in their life. I thank you, Lord, that you give us wisdom liberally, graciously, without fault. I pray for anyone here today that just has not maybe made that decision just to honor you in their lives by submitting their lives to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that anyone that confesses your name, you will no wise cast out, that you will receive us. But it starts by us bowing our hearts before you and asking you, to come into our lives and to change us and to redirect our course. And that's what repentance is all about. And thank you that you receive us through your grace and mercy. So Lord, we bow our hearts to you today asking you for this particular situation that we need wisdom and guidance from you today. And we thank you in advance that you will generously give us wisdom in our lives. Thank you for your care. Thank you for your mercy. And thank you, Lord, that you will give us peace, even though this life is not easy. And you never said it would be, Jesus. But thank you that you said that you would always be with us, even to the ends of the earth. Thank you. The end of time, you will be with us. And we're thankful for that. So we love you. We praise you. And we just want to be careful to ask these things in your son's precious name. And all God's children said, 
Amen. Can we thank God for his word today? He's so worthy of it. Amen.